Welcome into Kimmel Call Friday, Evan Budrovich, and I will be uh, back at the back end of the show to get you set for a big weekend, which includes on a Monday night basketball season opener. And joining me now to talk about it, now in his 11th season, is men's basketball head coach at Campbell. Kevin McGeehan will lead the Fighting Camels into the CAA era. Campbell has won 121 games, an average of 17 per year over these last six seasons. That is the most in a six-year span in the program's Division I history. During that span, of course, Camels have claimed four Big South trophies, won the 2019 regular season title, tournament runner-up finishes in 17, 21, and 23. On Monday night at 8 p.m., Campbell opens their season at home against Navy as part of a men's-women's doubleheader. And, Coach, the beginning of the season is always excited. A lot of times it's on the road. A lot of time it's at home, maybe against a lesser opponent. What kind of juice does having a team with the name Navy on the front of their jersey add to what's already an exciting start? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they've established themselves as a really, really strong program in the Patriot League over the course of, um, certainly over the course of Coach DeCellis's time. Um, and in fact, last year they were one of the better teams in the Patriot League. And, you know, if not for a incredible uh, stretch here by Colgate, they probably would be right there to have a chance to win win the thing. And, um, you know, so that, that's that's exciting. You know, it's a, it's a quality opponent. Um, you know, I tried to explain to the guys the other day, like, you know, these guys get up and they, they do a thousand push-ups before you, uh, before you eat breakfast, um, you know. And so there's going to be a toughness element to this yeah. game that we're going to have to be prepared for. Um, and so that, I think in a lot of ways that's good for us because, it, you know, this league that we're going into, the CAA is, is a much more physical league. Um, and so, you know, I think it'll be a good thing to test that right off the bat. And you, you have put together a, a schedule, Coach, non-conference-wise that, that challenges your guy off the bat. I think ECU is going to be uh, really good. Um, and then, you know, at Virginia Tech to an ACC foe. So you are not easing into the schedule anymore. It doesn't go downhill after this. No, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, there was some intent uh, in how we put this schedule together. Um, Scheduling is not an easy part of the job. Um, there's a lot more to it than, uh, you know, I'll have some people call all the time and say, oh, well, why don't you play these guys? And, you know, it's not so simple. Yeah. Um, it's dates. It's also – uh, there's a bit of a game to scheduling. Uh, you know, not everybody wants to play you, whether you know whether you think that it's a good game for you or not. So, but there was definitely some intent with um, you know trying to play. I think a much improved East Carolina team, um, Virginia Tech will be an incredible experience. Castle, if you haven't been there, is special and um, probably one of the more underrated um, basketball environments that I've been in. Absolutely. Um, you know, everybody talks about Duke and. Um, you know, obviously that was, you know, well-founded, but, um, this is a really good place to play and a tough place to play. And, um, you know, certainly will, will be a test coach Young's terrific and, um, like a tactician really, really knows how to, uh, manage a game and, and put, put his guys in really good positions. And so, you know, attention to detail for us in that one with, uh, the scouting report and all that stuff will be, uh, you know, at a, uh, at a high level, we're going to have to be really good to, to compete in that one. 
It's been about a month since I've talked to you on air about your team. You've had a couple of, of closed scrimmages, again, against uh, some some pretty big-name opponents, and, and you've been able to see this very young team with a lot of new faces improve and get ready for the season. What do you like about these guys? Notice about this squad as you get ready for the year. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I think stands out is there's a there's a chemistry here for sure. Um, we've been very fortunate. Um, you know, I think culture is probably an overused word, but uh, we've been very intentional about how we've recruited, um, trying to find guys that we felt like were really good people, committed, um, serious about basketball, great students. I think when you have a lot of those guys with those qualities, it, it leads you to walk in the gym every day with a smile on your face, ready to work, and um, and because they are ready to work as well. Um, you know, I think our passing is um, very good. Uh, I think our shooting has improved from last year's squad. You know, a little bit of that will develop during the season because I think there's talent in that area, but I think there's um, – you know, some guys that have not had game shots, right? So we know that they can shoot the ball, but, you know, when the lights are on and there's defenses coming at you with different things, you know, that's going to be something that, you know, I hope it takes off quickly, but it may be a developmental um, process. Um, you know, I think their size, certainly the addition of Alex, uh, it adds a really big body who's excellent defensively and, you know, it takes space and really does a good job of figuring out how to protect the others uh, with his positioning. Um, but I think overall, you know, I think defensively we're going to have we're going to be able to do some different things, um, and we've already started to uh, that will develop through the season as well. But we've already started to play around with with some of those things. We we, we were very creative toward the end of last year defensively, uh, like I've never been since I've been you know coaching. And um, I think we found that, you know, because we recruit and develop guys that have a, a mind for the game, they have an intellectual, intellectual capability for understanding the whys of, of the way we're teaching it, uh, which I've always thought about more from the offensive side. I think it showed last year toward the end of the year that it, it actually really translated a lot on the defensive side as well. And so that's allowed us to do more things earlier um, with regard to changing and mixing and showing different looks, which I think we're going to need as the season goes along. You had mentioned him a, a couple of guys I was going to point out to get, get your thoughts on. This is the one that jumps out of the page. Number one, because he's 6'10", 230. We haven't had somebody of that size here since me and you have been here. Alex Kotov, he's a graduate student. He comes from Illinois State, but he's from Moscow. Yeah. Tell, tell me about him, just everything about him. Yeah, he's he's a remarkably uh, impressive young man. I mean, already graduated with a master's degree. Uh, he already has a master's. He already has a master's oh, coming out of uh, Illinois State, you know, kind of working on a second master's or, you know, supplementing what he already has done. Wow. Um, but really, really bright guy, really a self-advocator. You know, you can see, you can see the independence that comes from – uh, having come to the United States and and from a foreign country and and have to figure everything out, you know he's really developed some skills, um, non basketball related, personal relational skills that are at a high high level. Like you know you would be impressed with him if he walked through the door, not because of his stature or size, but because of 
how he communicates, how he, um, you know, engages people, his demeanor. It's all really impressive. Um, and so that's the kind of guy you want to add who's in his fifth and possibly sixth year of college basketball um, to, to the mix. Just a guy that really does well in all those circumstances because you know when it's time to, you know, talk to a donor or – um, meet a professor or an athletic director or a board member. He's going to do do really well in that in that um, realm. So that that first and foremost is really impressive. Um, his size, his understanding of the game is uh, is really good. Um, instinctually, uh, matches really well. In fact, he he had said to me a couple weeks ago that. Um, you know, when he was back home growing up and playing with his club team or what have you. Um, one of the clubs they played against had a similar style to the way, you know, he called it Princeton, but, yeah. you know, the, you know, basically movement-based, read-based offense. And he said it was always so hard to play against them. And he was so <laughs> excited to now be playing in it um, where he's, you know, he does really have a good match skill set-wise for that, you know, ability to shoot the ball, score a little bit around the basket and really pass and keep us moving. Uh, so he's an exciting, exciting prospect, and there's still some learning there, but he's he's uh, acclimating pretty well. Tessos Cook is another name I've been hearing coming out of practices as being someone a, a, a ball handler, a guy that began his his career at Stetson. Yep. Um, that is is really going to make an impact. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's he's truly like a you know they say the straw that stirs the drink kind of guy. I mean, as far as tempo, um, both sides of the ball really just a tempo setter um you know he's a he's an a hungry defender um and he's a very aggressive tempo pusher uh which makes us a little unique because i think it what it's done is it's a little bit contagious you know all of a sudden you see elijah running harder and uh g running harder and delhi more in attack mode uh when we're in transition with numbers or even 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 numbers a little bit more pace to what we're doing, and he he has a way of figuring out how to make that happen for a team, um, and it's starting to show up for us. It, he played really well this past week in the scrimmage, and um, a lot of them were you know hard drives uh, you know to the basket, uh, what, transition or half court, and I think he went to the line maybe 15 times or something wow. in the game. So um, he doesn't. He doesn't 100% put you in the mind of Ricky. They play a little bit different, but there's a lot of similarities with build and um, just toughness um, and then style with regard to, like, being aggressive drivers. You mentioned Elijah Walsh, someone who was on this team last year, didn't get into the rotation too terribly much, but he's going to be a major part of this team. What, what really improved in his game? Um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing that was kind of holding them back uh, last year was just like sort of understanding how hard you have to play all the time and how, um, you know, just how competitive college basketball is. Like it's, um, you know, I don't I don't think he had a very good high school um, end of his high school experience at a very good um, program in Florida, private school named Masters, and. Um, but I don't think that even, you know, even the very, very best teaching in high school can completely prepare you for like the pace and the competitiveness of it. And honestly, I think 
that taking a jump along with just that leading to confidence in his own ability. Like there is no question the talent is there and we're starting to see, and you know, it's still some ups and downs, but he's, he's more consistently competitive uh, at the level needed and it's allowing all his talent to show up. He's like, no question, one of the best cutters on our team. No question, one of the best shooters on our team. If not the, you know, some days the best in both those categories. Wow. And so, you know, those things don't necessarily require, you know, ball domination. You know, th- those are uh, just you can be an off-the-ball player and have those things show up and help yourself and the team. And, you know, I think also defensively he's improved pretty significantly to where he's now – um, you know, consistently able to keep his guy in front and all that kind of stuff. Because that's, that's usually the biggest reason why a freshman can't break in is, like, defensively they can't handle it. He probably could have come along last year offensively um, if we had just been patient and kind of forced him to play enough to get some seasoning. But defensively he was just a little bit behind as well, and I think that's caught up as well. Anthony Delorso, a, a name, a face that everybody's going to recognize, a, a phenomenal job of, of you all creating an environment here where the Big South Freshman of the Year returns uh, to this team first and foremost. How has his very good game as a freshman improved into his sophomore year? Uh, I think a little bit of leadership. You know, he's, he's definitely taken on more of a – you know, there's more airspace for him, right? You know, we had, we had Ricky, um, who wasn't like the – Newt Rockney kind of leader, but he was definitely a presence and was, pardon me, willing to uh, lead at the right times in the right moments. Um, you know, though Jesus didn't play last year, he was a big presence in our locker room and in our practices and all that kind of stuff and so I think there's a little more you know he he sees that it's there for him and it's sort of like his to take and so that's definitely part of it um basketball wise it feels like I think I was looking at the practice stats yesterday I mean his like assist to turnover in practice was maybe like 55 to 30, which is a pretty significant jump to where he's also figuring out how to play make for others. Um, And I think if I asked him right now, he'd say there are 10 of those turnovers that he could just pluck right off if he just like held his focus a little bit better or or what have you. So, um, you know, really looking at the potential to have a very, very good um, season in that regard. Uh, playmaking for others, which I don't think showed up as much last year. Maybe it was because of the position he was in with others having the ball more to make plays, and he was a little bit more of an auxiliary, but uh, certainly that area has improved. I think his shooting is has improved and still ha- still can improve even more, you know, just the consistency of it. Shot looks good. Um, you know, the ones that he misses, you don't feel like they're f- too far off. Um, but consistently making more threes will help him open up his driving lanes because that's where his greatest strength is, you know, around the basket, um, uh, driving and in-betweens and dribbling into post-ups. All that stuff's really kind of his bread and butter. And, um, you know, I think as the, as the shooting develops, it's only going to take the be a complement to, to all that stuff that he already does really well. The other thing that he does incredibly well that I don't think people – notice much is he's a terrific rebounder for his position you know he's like a really really good rebounder 
just more like, you know, some guys it's like because of their size or their toughness. I think his is like, he's just got like an unbelievable nose for the ball and he reads it really well. And then he's, you know, goes after it. Um, those are all good things to have. Yeah. Coach, uh, it's so excited for the start of the season. It starts this Monday night against Navy at eight o'clock. Thank you so much for, for spending time and we'll, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Great to have you. That's Campbell head coach Kevin McGinn. Evan I will be back to get you set for the weekend coming up after the break. Beginning on Campbell Giving Day this Wednesday, Campbell Athletics begins their 1K for 1K campaign. 1,000 people to give $1,000 or more to join the Fighting Camel Club and further impact the lives of our student-athletes. Head to GoCamels.com and hit the Give button for more information. Welcome back into Camel Call Friday with Evan Budrovich. I'm Chris Amar. Crossover season is here when fall sports and winter sports collide. We've got you covered to help you get it all sorted out. It is hectic for those of us that cover uh, sports but when it's this good, time it's of year comes. Hectic. It's a good hectic as well. Especially with football this weekend. Yeah. And you talk about a marquee game. Now, Carolina did this to themselves. They should be a top 25 team, but lost to Virginia and then lost to Georgia Tech. However, they are one of the best 30 teams in the country. And so Campbell goes from playing a very good Richmond team at the FCS level. And we've talked about this holistically. It's like there's a university aspect to this. There's an exposure aspect to this. And then there's a regional aspect. And when you're a fan of Campbell sports, you love playing NC State, ECU, Duke, and Carolina. Here is your right in the middle of the day on ACC Network. It's not going to be a sellout at Carolina, so you can get into the stadium and if you want to watch it on TV, everyone on the East Coast can watch it. And that's huge for this program, given Mike Menner's personality. He's always been good on television. And given the fact that this program we saw back in 20 showed they can be competitive. Now, Carolina is a different tier than Coastal and Wake and App State. But it's really just about being close in the first half and going into halftime not down 52-7. to seven. And then, too, there's some monetary aspects to this game. You bring in revenue for the program. You bring in exposure. Your fans can tailgate. There'll be an alumni tailgate at 9 o'clock right behind the soccer field, Doran Soccer Stadium. So just walk over there and then walk five minutes to Keenan, the football stadium. I mean, the whole day is going to be amazing for this program. You said it before we got on that, hey, if we could take that 7-0 lead or that 7-3 lead or even a lead into the second quarter, which they did consistently in 2020. And look, a lot of those players, including the quarterback, Haj Malik Williams, that are on this team, were on that team. They're not going to be intimidated by FBS or the name on the jersey. That They know that they can play with these teams. Seventh FBS team they've played. And, and Mike Minner put it best, and he's talked to us before games. When we're the favorite, we want to kick the ball first. We want to give the team the ball. When we're the underdog, we want that ball, and we want to score a touchdown. So I guarantee you if there's any way either we win the toss or Carolina defers, Coach Whedon is fantastic at drawing up plays. That is not his weakness. He is great at dynamic first-quarter plays, in-system, the scripted plays. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're in position to score something, field goal, touchdown, you name it. And Mike's going to be uber-aggressive in this game, knowing that we're a 40-point underdog, knowing that we're not expected to win. Also knowing that this is a chance to get guys reps gearing into Delaware. Yeah. You're not trying to win this game necessarily. You're just trying to stay healthy and get ready for Delaware and A&T. 
anything is possible. Think about the fake trick play from Nick Rimes three years ago where the O-line falls on the ground yeah. and then Hodge catches the double pass for the touchdown. All that type of stuff is totally in play. Yeah, and you go back to 2020, you know, Campbell in these games with all of these teams, and it was a lot of exposure. Even though Campbell lost those games, they played very close to Georgia Southern. They had leads in each and every one of those games. You remember the the four-season FBS season COVID fall, and that, as we talked about at Campbell Call Live earlier this week with Coach Minter, that propelled – Campbell's name out there, not only a Division I program, but a Division I program that's doing something, and it means a lot. So Campbell goes into that game literally with nothing to lose. As you talk about, when we kick off, that big check gets cashed. And I've always it, wondered, like, is it a check exchange? Is it a wire transfer? Is it, you know, we joked to the role boss, Ricky yeah. Ray. Was it one of those you just walk to the AD of the other school and they give you a, a Wells Fargo is it, check? Is it a big check like, like you win? Is it a lottery, lottery thing where you get the 400 grand? And, but anyway. I mean, that's what it feels like because it's a lot of money. But you, you mentioned it as well. Campbell has played a Power 5 team before, but that was Wake Forest during COVID in front there of were a thousand people 500 there. pans. You know, we have, as of today, we're taping this Friday morning, we have eight tickets left in our section. We started off with nearly a 1,000. So this game means a lot, and it starts what's going to be a really fun stretch. We played ECU last year. We play UNC this year. In the next five years, we will play NC State, ECU again, Duke, and Wake Forest. And that is really, really going to be fun because we will have one of these games after next year pretty much every single year, which is which And is then a add lot in fun. Florida in 27. Yeah, I, I mean, forgot about you, that. you go from the ACC yeah. powers to then the SEC too, and it's like, right. okay, this is why the jump from non-scholarship to scholarship happens. These are the benefits yeah. of making that jump. You play better competition, you get exposure, you also get more financial benefits with pay games and things like that. This is reaping the benefits. And for fans who live in this area, what an amazing opportunity. Like, if you're not there, look online the secondary market. I guarantee you half the tickets will be wide open yeah. in Chapel Hill. Just look on the market. You can get in the stadium if you need to. Yeah, and it's – you know, good, good for so many for for so many different reasons. Tip of the cap goes to Ricky Ray and now Jason Williams, uh, who has put together uh, these football schedules. But it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And oh, by the way, I think a lot of times we looked at this game being like, man, if we're in the middle of a race for a playoff spot, this is a tough one to have because maybe you rest some guys, maybe you do that. Campbell with the loss at Richmond last week that we talked a lot about on on Camel Call Live. One bad quarter really derailed that game, and and their chances for the playoffs are gone. So you are still thinking about, as Mike Minner says, you know, you win these final two games, you are able to set a lot of different records that you didn't think you were going to have coming into the CA. You're taking on a top-five Delaware-ranked team in FCS next week, but this truly is a game with nothing to lose, and you can just kind of let it all go. And it's interesting. Maybe the second-best draft prospect in the FBS in Drake May versus what – Pro Football Focus has said a top five quarterback in the FCS in Hodge Malik Williams. Yep. These are two really good – they do it differently. You know, Hodge is more creative. He'll get out of the pocket. And then Drake May just has all the arm talent in the world, and he could play at the next level. Hodge could too, and it might be somewhere else, maybe not in the NFL. But watching these two play, you're not going to go on the field and go, oh, Hodge is outclassed yeah. by X. Drake May is going to be a better quarterback, but Hodge can move the football too. And this is important. There are three guys on the offensive line that have had interest from from NFL scouts, and 
they're going to look at this tape. As Coach Minter said earlier, this is the first tape the scouts are going to go to. Okay, we know what you can do against FCS teams. What can you do against FBS teams? So it means a lot. It's going to be noon on the ACC Network, nationally televised. And Campbell will have uh, free audio coverage. We'll be up there at 11.45 on GoCamels.com and the Varsity Network. Back to a fall sport that's a winter sport that's also a spring sport, our women's swim team. They are getting back in the water today at home, 4 o'clock, a free event. They host ECU, ECU undefeated on the season. Campbell 2-1 and one on the season. They will then swim at the Liberty Invite November 17th through 19th. They never stop practicing, but they won't compete until mid-January. So you, you got to love what Zach Bagby has done taking over that program, and they're having success here. Those were some big wins last weekend. I ran into Zach at Osha Sushi Cafe in sure. Holly Springs. Name after dropper. The, the doubleheader. That's where, that's where all the, that's all, where all the all cool the kids go. Cool the highfalutin in go, downtown yeah. Holly Springs. But they crushed ODU, and ODU's given them problems in the past. And Gardner-Webb, a former CCSA foe, they also dominated them. That's great for the program. And we've talked about you peak at the end of the season, but it's good for these ladies to have that success Liberty's always tough. ECU's having a great year. They just got to play at their best, or sorry, swim at their best come conference tournament time. Yeah, and he's really put together a schedule made more for them to have success at the end of the year. And they're in a conference again this year, the CAA, as uh, they are in that swimming conference. Okay, wrestling, a winter sport. They started the season with a win at one of the coolest events around. America's team. Yep. Campbell beat Army 25-9. to There was a lot of chatter back and forth on Twitter. Literally, Campbell beat Army on an Army base. It was at Fort Liberty down in Fayetteville. They did it in a big hangar on the base. Campbell was involved in this event last year. Really, really cool. And Army was a team coming in. These are all preseason rankings, ranked right around them, and it was no contest. Campbell won six of those matches. Former intern for the digital media department, Tay Gadiali, who used to do camera work, he's our heavyweight this year. That's right. He, he was in the lineup last year, kind of half red shirt. He was amazing and yeah. totally dominated a nationally ranked heavyweight. You know, we did lose that final bout, but to win nine of the ten and, and truly dominate, what was interesting is their schedule gets neat. They play Nebraska in two weeks, yeah. which is a top 10 program. And then they go to Wyoming for like an open outdoor, really cool venue. They're wrestling in a barn. Yeah, like it, it's going to be a really neat, we talk about Fort Liberty as a, as a cool atmosphere, going up to Wyoming in a barn. Yeah. Like these are the things that wrestling programs can do. They no kind of push the limits. You think about the wrestle-offs in front of Gore Arena, which are always fascinating. Like that's the one sport where you can say, hey, let's try this. Wherever you can put a mat. You can do it. And Scotty Sentes, to his credit, is a marketer by nature. He will try anything to create eyeballs for his sport. Yeah, and you have to give him a lot of credit. Campbell had that match against Army on UFC Fight Pass with his UFC's digital platform. It's one of four matches Campbell will be on on UFC Fight Pass, and that is something where UFC was poking around the national championships at wrestling a couple years ago because, you know what, um, a lot of the really talented wrestlers from college, there is no pro wrestling other than the WWE, which is in it, which is entertainment, of course. But then you, you go over and they were saying, hey, this would we should probably get into this because this is basically the feeder into our sport. A lot of the bigger teams wouldn't listen to him. Scotty did and, and got him on UFC Fight Pass last year. So four matches on UFC Fight Pass, including that Wyoming. And then two here at home from Gore Arena, 
You're going to be able to see two matches on UFC Fight Pass, Fighting Camel Duels on December 19th, which will be cool. Stanford and Purdue is here and against App State on February 2nd. But as you mentioned, as they always do, a, a tough schedule on the road for them coming up. Yeah, that's a neat part of the wrestling schedule, too, because it's so early that there I think we have four nationally ranked, maybe five, depending on the ranking. But to have – we've had years where seven guys have made it, six wrestlers have made the NCAAs. We've talked about it, though. That App State yeah. match tells the story. And, and if you go to that match, one, the two head coaches hate each other. The programs despise each other. Yeah. That is a great atmosphere just to see two schools and two programs that talk so much you-know-what, and they love to get after it on the mat. Yeah, it's funny, too, because SOCON is what Campbell still is in in wrestling. The CAA doesn't support wrestling. The Big South didn't. And App State in the Sun Belt, they don't have wrestling either. So, so the two biggest teams in the SOCON wrestling conference – are both in other conferences for everything else. But yeah, that that one's at home and should be and should be bonkers this year. Crossover season as we dive back in. Monday night basketball begins with a Bowie's Creek doubleheader. We told you all about the men with our interview with head coach Kevin McGeehan at the beginning of this podcast. They'll take on Navy at eight. The women will open up against NC Wesleyan at 530. Now, Evan, the opener aside, this women's team really has really challenged themselves in the non-conference part of the season to get ready uh, of a CNAA conference, a lot better teams, a lot more athleticism. And Ronnie Fisher saying, hey, obviously he's going to try to win every game, but he knows these two months are to sharpen his team for the CAA conference. We've talked about football with its guarantee game against Carolina. Well, the women have done the same with Virginia. That's a lower-tier ACC school. I think they were picked 14th or 13th out of 15. But that's still a step up in competition. Remember, Gigi last year had 20 points against yeah. Virginia. She was amazing. That's a good test, too, because it leads into Wanda Watkins Day, which will be amazing. It's that Saturday, November, November 18th. 18th. Just if you're at any relation to the program, show up. Which then leads into Puerto Rico. And remember the last time they went to Puerto Rico, 2-0, and we filmed videos with sunglasses on the beach, and the team did well in those two games. I, I like what the schedule this year because UCF is a great opponent. We played them to a one-possession game here. We talked about the game with Virginia. And then the game with High Point. That's a really good team with Faith Price. The Campbell transfer went to Greensboro, then transferred to High Point. And Lauren Bevis, the Gardner-Webb all-conference guard, got poached, and she's now at High Point. So High Point's got some really good guard play, and that's a great test before the CA. Yeah, he has challenged High Point as well. Again, you know, the – best team the the biggest rival for Campbell and you step out of conference and doing it and like Ronnie Fisher said and one of the many reasons you love him he says we want to play high point yeah. every single year so he he's not backing down it because of this schedule and challenging himself he's playing a lot away only four non-conference home games so after Monday the next one is Wanda Watkins day on November 18th which is going to be phenomenal please come out and honor the legend but then just two more after that in December. One of those is Education Day, so uh, you don't have a lot of chances to see them before conference play. Now, speaking of conference play, this works the same way with the men on a Thursday, Saturday, but what I really like when you look about this schedule, they play Friday night in conference and Sunday afternoon. You're either doing two games on the road most often or two games at home. 36 hours in between games. This is a Campbell team that's experienced. Three seniors, three grad students that all really contribute – and you have, as we both know, 
and we'll say whether we're on or off the mic, Ronnie Fisher is one of the best X's and O's in preparation and scouting coaches that I have seen in women's basketball, basketball period, anything. So I really like the fact that I think we're going to get some wins based on coaching and experience this year. I love that there's 36 hours in between games. I love that Shai Tooley's healthy as well. And we saw it, for those of you who didn't Campbell's go to Creek, leading three Creek Madness, shooter. the number one three-point shooter in Campbell history yeah. was the best shooter in that building. She hit 11 in a row. Men or women, no one shot better than her. And that presence alone, this was a team last year that scored with Christabel in the post. And that was kind of it. It was pound the yep. ball in the post, maybe shoot. She's back as well. She returns as an all-conference center. She was honorable mention. Yeah. So you put her in with Brittany Staves healthy, Svenja Nuremberg healthy. They don't have the best guard play in the world. Audrey Fuller is growing up, but she is fast as all get up. They have the pieces. Yeah. They don't have the depth this year, but they do have eight or nine players where it's like, okay, their starters and their second yep. unit can compete. Now, I think what you mentioned with the turnaround time, they are so prepared for teams that their style of play is tough. Yeah. It, it's a grinded out every second of the 30-second shot clock. That makes it hard for a league opponent. And you've never seen Campbell. Wilmington has and Charleston has, but not everyone plays him. So I think there is an advantage for Campbell of yeah. playing half your league that's never seen your style. And remember, he, he's playing a tough non-conference schedule to get prepared for this where they really will have that advantage. Um among a lot of teams because of the coaching and the conditioning and the style of play. You know, if you're an opposing team and you just played a tough conference game 36 hours earlier and here's a team that is on you when you get past half court and doesn't let you get anything easily, some teams are going to break. And Campbell's going to win some games, quote-unquote, that maybe they're not favored. And I think the men have the same advantage too. No doubt, because of the offense. Yeah. Now, outside of College of Charleston and Wilmington, no one in that league has seen the McGeehan system. And the Princeton – to its core, is so ball-oriented and passing and movement that even in the Big South, those first time around, teams struggle with it, and they make adjustments. Yeah. But that could be a huge advantage for us in January, No too. doubt, because on the same thing, you really have to be locked in mentally to stay with that offense or you're going to get, you know, cut by a thousand little cuts and that. So, yeah, and, and we've talked a little bit about it before, the same thing on the men's side, some, uh, some advantages on that. Okay, speaking of senior play experience, volleyball has their final two home matches of the season this weekend here at home, Gore Arena, free admission, 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday versus Hampton. Sunday is senior day. What a senior class. Melody Page, Chloe Cook, Claran Fector, they were freshmen during the COVID fall. They didn't play till the spring. They had an abbreviated schedule. There was no conference tournament, just the winner of the conference advanced on, so they didn't get a chance to do any damage in the conference tournament had a really solid year, seven and one at home. And then all they did was their sophomore and junior year. They went on to do what nobody else did in Campbell volleyball history. Campbell volleyball did not have a regular season or tournament title three years ago, two years ago, tournament title went to the NCAA championships. And then last year, a regular season title. And this year in a much tougher conference, they are in third place and most likely will stay at the very least in third place We'll make the CAA tournament, and who knows? Melody Page elected to return for this fifth year. There were a lot of questions about that. Her teammates had moved on, thinking of Ananda Patterson who went to Liberty. And Mel wanted to be a captain and lead this team. She's yeah. an emotional, fiery player. Her parents are amazing to come to every game. That's a woman who embodies this culture yeah. and has been beloved and appreciated. Claire Ann Fector may be the best player we've ever had here yeah. in terms of libero play. And I don't mean to offend – 
other great liberos in Campbell history, but she is outstanding and will be all CAA, all Big South. You know, maybe not the exposure to be an All-American, but has the talent to do it. And Greg Gorl has always talked about how he kind of stole her, and she's been a great fit. We'll see what she does with her COVID year. She could go somewhere else. She could come back. That's open. McKenna Shocker's been a big impact transfer yeah. the last two years. And she has opportunities to play a sixth year as well with injury situation, kind of up to the NCAA on that. And then the final senior, Chloe Cook, who's come in and been a stud, yeah. you know, from day one. And she's also been very involved in SGA, involved on campus, does community service. Like, this is a great group of seniors for Greg Rule. Not just players, but seniors. Yeah, you, you, make, a, you make a good point. Th- these seniors not only winning trophies, but staying. And again, knowing it would be a tougher row in the, in, in the CAA, they have, they have made a statement by coming right into the CAA, beating the best teams in the CAA. And, you know, Towson, the defending champions, will probably win the conference. That's where the tournament will be. They've beaten them once, and they've beaten them at their place. They will go into this tournament with, quote-unquote, nothing to lose. And I, I really, really am interested to see what happens. But regardless of what happens, boy, these, these seniors, this program, in, in such good shape, just unbelievable. And to have a great record in the league, right? We've talked about yeah. so- both soccer teams have had good years, but not great years. Football has a chance to have a winning record, but volleyball would have the best, yeah. quote-unquote, record of the sports. No doubt. And they've made a big jump, you know? And this was a team, when we started, that would finish seventh in the Big South. And now they're yeah. consistent one or two in the Big South, and now they're top four in the CA, which that shows the growth of the team, too. This is a line that you hear a lot, but, but Greg Goral, honestly, and pretty much literally had to build a Division One program from scratch. They had been a Division One program for a couple of decades and had opened up and downs, but they were at the lowest points of low. So, again, congratulations to him and, and his team, no matter what happens from here on out. All right, that'll do it for us, as well as the tennis teams as they wrap up their fall tournament seasons this weekend at UNCW in Wake Forest. By the way, Douglas Nordloff, one of the Swedes on the men's golf team, he is also a pickleball player. And I was on a tournament pickleball team sure. on campus with Eric Bauman, head of we're campus. We're going into, b- before we sign off, we're going into uh, the, the intramural report the intramural right update. here. So. so Eric Bauman and myself, we're, we're, our team name is Dirty 30 and Thriving. Well, we both turned 30. I don't know if you can say year. that on the on the podcast. but um, <laughs> and, and again, like two of the best pickleball players under the age of 35 that I know, just by the way. So we're competing and we play Douglas Nordloff and a fellow golfer, but the other guy wasn't very good. This Douglas Nordloff kid, one of the best pickleball players I've ever seen. Yeah. They beat us in the final 11-5, 11-7. Oh, man, you lost in the final? So we lost to Nordloff. He had a teammate, Garrett Manley, who's also on the golf team. He's not very good at golf. But, boy, Nordloff is an amazing pickleball player. And he's also one of our best golfers. So credit to Nordloff and Matt Moot, the coach who recruited them out of Sweden. That is an amazing pickleball So second player. place, you don't get a T-shirt. I was so excited about that no team. No T-shirt. I thought they would be. Tough result this week that. for the there 30-30 team. Uh, one of the many fun things about Campbell is, and in your mules, there is not a faculty staff section. You play against the sophomores in the dorms or against uh, – Two of our student athletes. All right, I, I didn't I didn't have in my agenda that we were going to get into intramurals, but I'm glad we are. Uh, sorry, Evan. There's always next. Well, you year. and I started the pickleball. That's team right. Together. That's right. We we never made it that far, uh, mainly because of me. But uh, thank you so much, Evan, for all of that, guys. Enjoy the crossover this weekend. Next week, we'll talk to you next week on Campbell Talk. Guys.